the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. In our culture today, if she no longer makes me happy, I'm leaving. Really? Our culture does not honor. Well, let me say, we, I, we honor it when I want you to be faithful. <laughs> if I can say it like that. But to be faithful, I'm not sure we honor that one. Well, but you, you, you don't understand. See, though, uh, I had to do this and I had to do this, so I called in today. And so somebody else had to work twice as hard, do a double shift and everything else because you can't... No, there's always emergencies. I know that. But I, I, you know, I don't think... Um, I won't do that. I won't do that. Uh, I know in our culture, pets are people. Just see it on the back of the thing. Just, just when you're with me, don't ever refer to yourself as the mother, the father, the parent of your pet. Please, don't do that. Because when God did creation, he made all those things, but then he made you and I in the image of God. Don't, when you say you were the parent of that cat, that dog, that lobster, whatever it is you got, I'm sorry, you, that's not the image of God, all right? But, but our idea is I will break my vow of faithfulness. I won't show up. Because the cat, the dog, the fish, the frog, whatever it is we got, really, when does that pet become more important than your faithfulness? And I'll talk about, but don't worry, at the end, I will tell you why this is so important. It's the word faithful, faithfulness, I can't give you the list of times the Bible uses that word. Faithful. Wow, can they say it about me? Then his other thing about him was he feared God. Not that he just feared, he feared God more than many or more than most. When you looked at this guy, you saw two things. This dude is faithful. You can count on this guy. And he fears God. I mean, just look at over here and look at him. That guy fears God. Let me ask you, how do they know that? And the word fear in Hebrew, yareh, by the way, if you care, means to be afraid, to stand in awe of, reverence, honor, respect. And we have a hard time, and you can go to websites right now and say the weird fear and the Bible doesn't mean the word fear. It means honor, reverence, or respect. Okay? Now, uh, you can take whoever you honor or respect in culture. A great author. A great 
sportsman of some sort, athlete, some whatever. What is it that makes you go, wow, that's amazing how that author writes, right? How that basketball player plays, okay, or whatever it is. You stand in awe of what they can do, all right? So it has to do something with what God can do. In Romans 3, and the word, Greek word, okay, phobio is the Greek word for fear. We get the word phobias. Um, in, in chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, okay, Paul tells us that those who are not regenerated by God in spirit, of them there's no one righteous, no one seeks God, no one does good. They even have a tendency to be violent. And those people do not fear God. It's one of the signs of the unregenerated, is they do not fear God. Proverbs tells us a lot about the fear of God. But in 1427, okay, and others, it talks about the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. Or leads to life okay and I know you've heard the other ones that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of okay well there's two ways it says it more than once okay also in Psalms and in Proverbs 1 and 7 it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction then in Proverbs 9 and 10 it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay? There's a link between the fear of the Lord, knowledge, and wisdom. I would suggest to you that the knowledge precedes the wisdom. In Romans 12, be ye transformed, ye, it's King James, that's the way I memorize it, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now we know that our spirits are renewed when we're regenerated, born again, made new by the sovereign act of God through the Holy Spirit. Our problem is right here. But I want you to think about it when you surrendered your life to Christ, okay, whenever that was, somebody proclaimed to you the gospel, knowledge. It didn't bypass your brain. You heard something, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You heard something. It got in your brain. You went, wait a minute here. But I think what brings the wisdom out of the knowledge is when we begin to gain understanding or knowledge of who God is. So today I says, hey, let's go out and play a little three-on-three out here, basketball. And Josh isn't even here for it. Okay, we're going to go out and play a little basketball, and, and you're doing just fine. Oh, by the way, the other teams, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So whatever generation you're in there, I tried to get you. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. I don't know if I'm going to play this game. Those were all great NBA players. When you know who they are, you stand back and say, wait, wait a minute. Uh, my skill compared to their skill, uh, I come up short. This isn't going to be any fun. Okay, when you gain knowledge of who God is, you find out, oops, I fall short. When I see the holiness, the majesty, okay, that, that majesty means the greatness of, the glory of, the perfection 
of God. I go, uh-oh. I'm intimidated. I stand in awe in one sense, but all I stand in awe of because, wow. You know, you know, he can go, and I'm not even here. He spoke, and light came into being without a son. Who am I compared to that? When you look at Jesus himself, speaks to the weather, and it stops. Walks on water. Demons obey him. Multiplies food in his hand. Raises the dead. Commands sickness. to. I'm not playing three on three with him. There's a fear that comes when you recognize that he is the almighty, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-wise, God. Uh, I, um. And I'll use the word intimidating, okay? But realize the only reason that you can fear God and stand back and say, wow, I, man, you, your wrath is something I don't want to come under. And your love is amazing. The only reason you understand it is because the Holy Spirit enlightens it to you. He regenerates you so you get it because the unregenerated don't fear God. Only the regenerated, the born again person fears God. There's something that comes in the brain. I want you to just try to fathom right now the Noah's flood. Now, I know, you know, you painted on your kid's bedroom wall with the little giraffes and everything, okay. But it was catastrophic. It says the fountains of the deep came way. The, the planet was shook to pieces. Every square inch covered with water. Every person on the planet, save those eight on the ark, who couldn't get out if they wanted to, by the way. God said Noah... God shut the door. When Noah got out, he had to cut the roof off the top of the ark. You go read the story. The God who just wiped out every living thing. Just fathom that for a minute. I want you to think of New Delhi. I don't know what the population in New Delhi is. Hong Kong. New York. Why? Because I had enough of man's sin. That's why. I want you to imagine... Two cities, Nampa Caldwell, but for Bible, we'll call them Sodom, Gomorrah. I'm not saying that we're that wicked, all right? But I, they're right next to each other like that. <laughs> Abraham can't find ten righteous guys there, people in this town. He works this list down to God and can't do it. So go get your nephew out. God pounds Sodom and Gomorrah into the ground that it becomes the lowest point on this planet, the Dead Sea. That's where Sodom and Gomorrah was. God actually it into the ground so far that there's no other place on the planet lower. Oh. Gee. That, that's, that's power. Okay? We comprehend that. There is knowledge of that, but then there's wisdom that comes from. What's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? Wisdom is, how do I practically apply that knowledge? Okay, so you may or may not be able to state Einstein, Einstein's theory of general relativity. E equals mc2 squared. Energy uh, mass times the speed of light squared. So what? It's knowledge. You memorized it for some chemistry test or some test, science test you had in school. But can you apply it? I can't. Okay, I don't even pretend to. So it's just knowledge for me. It's not wisdom. 
Okay? But remember, it is this knowledge of God, or the fear of God that brings knowledge, and the fear of God that brings that knowledge to the point where it becomes wisdom. Psalms 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now watch. All those who follow. Now it's not knowledge, it's wisdom. That fear is led to wisdom. All those who follow. There's a particular action now, practical, that comes to it. This knowledge that's created wisdom. All those who follow his commands have good understanding. And his praise endures forever. I just like the end on there. It becomes wisdom to you when you take the knowledge of God, of his awesomeness, his majesty, his great love, his amazing grace, his endless mercy. When you take all that and apply it into life when you begin then to obey. Because I'm going to be straight. You really don't fear him until you go, yeah, I'll do that. Okay, Rachel graduated this the other night, last night, with her first degree black belt. So when I was getting, I was leaving I was from the little party thing they had in which you shake your hands. I shake your hand, but I'm afraid you'd throw me. Okay, well, come on. What intimidates me about her being able to do it is what she could do to me, especially these old and feeble as I tend to be. Wait, 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 wait. Sure, Rachel, I'll do that. Why? Because I don't want you to throw me across the room. Now, Rachel wouldn't do that. She's a sweetheart. But one of the things that wisdom, wait a minute, this knowledge of God that comes through the fear of God as I gain this knowledge turns into wisdom when I go, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that? Yeah, I'll do that. Job 28 and 28. 28, 28. And to mankind he, God, said, Behold the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. And, don't forget that conjunction, and to turn away from evil is understanding. Now you're getting it. When you understand who God is and that fear of God, who he is, the wisdom applies it when you go, I'm avoiding evil. Because evil offends his nature. Now, as you heard me tell the children, there's a point in your life, and and if if your parents are still alive or whenever they were and you were an adult, to this day I still seek to honor my father and mother, for one Bible says so. Okay, why? But now because I love them. Okay, so they're going to be coming and visit in a couple weeks. Hmm, what would dad want to eat? Now, when I was young, I didn't care. As long as dad bought in the house what I wanted to eat, I was all right. But I've matured. I want to please dad because I love him and mom as well. But mom will always jump in the kitchen and try to cook it anyway. And you heard me say to the kids in John 14 and 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Eventually it moves back. A lot of people came to Christ. Wow, he could judge you and judge you severely. How severely? Read Revelation. That is Jesus Christ, the just judge. All right? But... Oh, and yeah, I understand you may come to Christ under realizing the wrath of God will be inflicted upon those okay, who disobey Him. Yeah, maybe. But you're expected to grow. God may receive you the way you are, but He don't leave you there. 1 Peter 1 and 17. 
If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves, that's how you live, in fear. When? During the time of your stay on earth. Why, that's pretty much from the time you're born to the time you die. Okay? He's now talking about conduct because God is the great judge. We, we, for some reason, when we come under grace, we forget that. Now, God will not turn you away from being one of his children. He's not going to do that. But just like Israel was always God's children, and if he has to, like he told Habakkuk, I'm going to bring some correction and judgment. Not judgment as in final judgment, but judgment in correction. He still does that. He does that to his children because a father disciplines those he loves. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Therefore, having these promises, I'll tell you what those are in a moment. Beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay, so this idea is we perfecting holiness, becoming more Christ-like, more of God being shown in us. Okay, that, that, the theological word for that is sanctification. Sanctos is a Latin word for holy. So sanctification, becoming more holy, becoming more Christ-like. Okay, as this is perfected, one of the things we're expected to do is start dumping the stuff of the flesh, the things that defile the flesh and the spirit. What kind of things defile your spirit? Most entertainment in the United States will defy your spirit. Okay, I'll leave that alone. Okay, but, but what promises is he's talking about? Because of these promises, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us start living more holy. What promises? Here's a quote right from you from chapter 6 of Romans, verse 16 and then verse 18. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 18, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from the defilement of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting with holiness in the fear of God. See, he's talking to his children. The fear of God is not just something for the person that's going to get judged with hell in the end. You and I aren't going to face that. Christ took our punishment, okay, that final punishment. We're not going to face that, but we still got to understand who God is. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, I think. Therefore, beloved, as you have always obeyed, Paul's talking to them and he goes on to say, work, you've heard this, work out your salvation with, wait, are these people saved? Yeah, yeah, but they work that out, that is living the life, becoming more Christ-like with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Look at He says, look, what I want you to do? I want you to work out, grow in Christ, become more holy. But you've got to understand, that's the work of Christ too. It's, it's God who works and wills to his good pleasure in your life. He doesn't expect you to do this in your own self-discipline and will. Because if it was left up to that, I'm in trouble. Yeah, watch me today when I eat lunch, how much self-discipline I have. 
Throw the potluck out and let's see the self-discipline. It is Christ working in me, his will working in me. He doesn't call me to do this in my own, on my own. He says, hey, 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 I'm going to do it in you and with you. I think we must have a great understanding of who God is, of his character in nature. That what brings the shock and awe. When we look at God compared to all the things you're going, you end up speechless. This is the inscrutability of God. That is the ability to understand God. You really run short of that. Okay? And you're just, I, oh, why, why me? Why'd you die for me? Well, you died for me, and oh, I'm going to get in trouble. But not him. Some people tell you he died for everybody, but the Bible says he died for his sheep. So who'd Jesus die for? His sheep. Not for the non-sheep, but for his sheep. I'm just saying that up front. Wait a minute. Why, why was I a sheep, and that guy's a goat? Why did I, I didn't deserve it any more than the other guy. I can't fathom that. When the almighty God says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Uh, why, uh. I feel that way when my wife said yes to when I married her. Why me? <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't, I, she was so far above my league. You guys didn't know that, but my, she was just above my league. She was out of my league and, and that. I think in that, we must also acknowledge the gravity of our sin. What sin really is, is an offense against the very nature and character of God. You offend his very being when you sin. Now, wait a minute. First thing you got to know is who he is. Then you'll understand how offending his very nature is such a big deal. And that moves us, Bible word, convicts us, to want to change. It's who God is. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, He will remind us of everything He is and everything He and Jesus said. He reminds us of who He is and then the conviction comes. It's His very character that we offend. I'm doing this on purpose. I'm setting you up. When we sin. Now I'm going to ask you, why is faithfulness so important in Scripture? 2 Timothy 2 and 13. Now listen, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, he cannot deny himself. Let me put it on. Faithfulness is in his very character. God cannot not be faithful. He can't deny his own faithfulness. He's going to be faithful. And when you're unfaithful, you offend his faithful character. It's an offense to who he is. Not some rule he wrote and you break some rule. It offends his very being. That's why there's so much about faithfulness in Scripture. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not well done, a good and religious servant. Talented servant. Beautiful servant. Faithful servant because God himself in his very nature must be faithful and when you're one of his children and he lives in you he calls you to align with his character and his nature so you know what this means 
unfaithfulness, unsteadfast, not keeping your word, not being reliable, is sin against God. Oh, I can't wait for the emails on that one. Because anything against his nature is sin. He is faithful when you are unfaithful. Please, those of you out there married, listen to me, please. When you are unfaithful, you offend the very nature of God. Young person, if I can't count on you, if your parents can't count on you, if your friends can't count on you, if the person you work for can't, that's a sin against the very nature of God. So what do we do with that? Recognize who he is. Put ourselves in perspective to that and say, God, I repent. I am sorry, God. Convict me. Change me. You do the work in me so I am faithful. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know you're thinking in that marriage right now. Yeah, you would live married to him or her. No, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. You aren't the one that's going to do it anyway. It's Christ in you that's going to make you faithful when she's not or he's not. Everything you think they're supposed to be. But it's Christ working it in you. So here's how you pray. You don't pray, well, God, would you fix her? No, no, God, fix me. Make me faithful. You work inside of me that I will be faithful. If you find yourself, I can't count on you, not reliable, and all those other things we talked about. You ask God, God, I repent for offending your very nature. Why? Because, man, you scare me, God. Who you are, just, I just, I, I'm dumbfounded of, and I, I don't want to do that. God, change it in me. Make me faithful. Make it when the time comes when someone's looking to appoint someone in charge of the palace, I'll be the one that they appoint. Not for the glory of the title, but because in it, I reflect who you are in my faithfulness, and therefore you receive glory in my life. Let's stand. Father God, I ask you to keep our ears open, our eyes open, our hearts to this message today right from your word. Father, so often we hear a message, we say amen for a moment, and then we want to resist it. Wait a minute, what is he saying about me? That kind of thing. It's human nature. God, I ask you to go beyond our human nature. Keep our hearts and minds open to the truth of your word. And as we come in a line in that wisdom, as we begin to live it out, God, we then get to be a reflection of your wonder, greatness, and glory, which is far above us anyway. So I ask it, God, that you would be glorified, maybe in spite of us. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32 Nampa, Idaho 83653 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.